senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 74. We're back. We missed last week. Yeah. For very good reason. We had amassed a massive amount of technical debt on our actual <laughs> website and all the machinery behind actually delivering this podcast. We hadn't updated it in probably about six months. Yeah, it was it was reaching sort of critical mass. Every time we'd log in, there'd be this giant message. You have like 17 updates that need to be applied, <laughs> and we just could never get to it because, frankly, I'm the director of IT here, and I drink a lot. And I like to apply updates without, you know, thinking. I wouldn't say it's malice of forethought, but I just go, <laughs> oh, it needs to be updated. Click. Yeah. Why yeah. isn't anything working? Yeah, What's that, that burning smell? Am I having a stroke? There's, <laughs> there's an old joke in software development. I don't always test my code, but when I do, I do it in production. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's that's part of the problem is, yes, in theory, there's just a button. There's a big update button, and you, <laughs> and you press it. It yes, never... I do. I do. Yeah, no. no Give no. me that next Adobe. Yes, thanks. Not with not with the live websites. Because <laughs> see, yeah, the the biggest problem was these were things that we had to do, but they're things that nobody would ever notice. They're like the kind of improvements that if we did everything right, right, you you have no idea we did anything. <laughs> I mean, it's like changing the oil in your car. It's or it... paying your taxes. Well, no, it's not like that at all. <laughs> If well, you... if you do it right, then nobody notices and you get a refund. If you do it wrong, bad things happen. <laughs> oh, okay. It's it's like paying your taxes, apparently. <laughs> then I did the work. Fucking pay me. <laughs> but it's it, it's not exciting. Maybe doing your own taxes. <laughs> yes, I don't do that. I can't count. I, I shouldn't be trusted with machines or numbers. What the hell's wrong with you? See, I was doing my own taxes. I'm derailing this. Please keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> this show's gone off the rails. We've been on for one minute, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I know for a fact you haven't been drinking. I've started drinking, but... Could have been huffing paint. You don't know. <laughs> you were up here. I was downstairs. Just blasting chrome into your mouth. Witness me! Have you seen your computer cleaner lately? I don't think you have. <laughs> oh, please, don't, don't get into that stuff. I don't want to show up on intervention. Is that even still a thing? I don't think so. Either way, I don't want to be on it. Because there's like 800 flavors of hoarders on, and that sort of crowded out all of the other addicted... Now that I could be on. <laughs> I mean, just the sheer number of comic books, even to this day... In the house, we're slowly being overrun again. <laughs> I know. I, I did another 100 books, and now we are over 15,000 books in the collection. Good work. And there's probably still another 1,000 that I still got a bag and board. That's okay. I don't know when I'm going to have time to do this. I don't have time to do that any more than I had time to upgrade the goddamn website. See? <laughs> I'm a professional. Look bring at everything you. back to where it's supposed to be. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the first thing that we had to do was the actual content management engine on the website hadn't been updated in forever and like i said on paper it's pressing a button it's it's amanda's big you know ren and stimpy <laughs> i have to press the red button yeah it's on paper if you press the button you wait three minutes you're done but the the problem is the yeah there's really shit you should do before you press that button because if you don't the button might say upgrade but what it really means is upgrade and one random person will die <laughs> 
So is there some sort of um, IT prophylactic that you're supposed to put in place before you proceed with caution? Yes, it's the rubber of backup. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. got to back up the entire website just in case, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but we started this thing almost four years ago. That's right. And for three of those years, we were posting every day with new pictures every day. So the, the website is like nine fucking gigabytes. Good Lord. Even with an FTP connection, that takes a little bit of time. We've been hoarding JPEGs. We should be on intervention. <laughs> <laughs> I've got three beers sitting here. JPEGs are not going to get us on an intervention. <laughs> That's not the problem. What's the problem, Uncle Rob? <laughs> it's, it's booze. What? <laughs> you're not but tracking you're me. talking about the website still. Oh, I don't... <laughs> Clearly, yeah, clearly we can't take a week off. We, we come back rusty, man. <laughs> no, the, the other problem is you also have to back up the database. Okay. And it's four years worth of database entry, so that's not fast. The biggest problem is the plugins. We got like 16 or 18 little pieces of code that are installed just to do little things. Some of them are big things, like keep the fucking spam off. But you know, every one of them has settings, and you have to turn that shit off before you press the button and when you turn it back on you got to go back and reset it mm. so for each one you got to see what the settings are before you shut it down and you're filling up notebooks worth of shit so yeah you spend hours and hours doing this stuff and then you press the button and of course it goes off no problem at all without a hitch <laughs> you sit there like an idiot going i could have pressed the button on my 10th beer on friday night <laughs> during a commercial on like american ninja warrior or shit <laughs> but if that's what you did that's when you start to smell burning toast <laughs> got it that's when everything goes wrong and then you'd have to sit there going wait this is unix i know this <laughs> provided it's 1993 and you're being fucking attacked by dinosaurs or something <laughs> cyber dinos oh no yeah. except that's not the case because i'm a 44 year old man i have windows because i am not fucking poor right so we not only did that the bigger problem was we also upgraded the engine that handles publishing the podcast itself to a feed. And the, the problem is that when we initially chose one, it's when we first started the website and we just did some quick research and it's like, oh, this is the first one that's listed. And we kind of started realizing we were running into trouble since <laughs> it became 2014 or so and it had never, ever been updated ever. Ever, yeah. Like never, one was never provided for people <laughs> to use. And it's like, it's only a matter of time before the thing dies. The problem is the new one has a completely different feed. Like the the address is completely different. And when it comes to podcasting, the feed is kind of everything. Cause yeah. No matter where you get this show, you're getting it from that feed. So I mean, it's it's like losing your email address or your your phone number. <laughs> it's like having your credit card stolen. That's not good. You know, you you can get a new number, but you spend a month getting emails from places. You know, that have auto pay set up. Except it's not like that because. You know, as a listener, we don't owe you any fucking money. <laughs> we don't owe you money, right? Yeah, so you're like, oh, there, are no, more, there are no more shows. <laughs> the fuckers must have died. What's on TV? <laughs> I want to go click this other link, and then we've lost you forever. And that's not what we want. Yeah, no, not at all, for God's sake. But see, that was the problem, because my choice was, okay, we can upgrade this, and I can go to iTunes and Microsoft and TuneIn Radio and, and like sort of send them an email to go, hey, the, the feed changed and hope they respond more quickly than to any other email we've ever fucking sent them ever. Or it turns out there's a thing you can create called a 301 move permanently redirect. 
which okay. is it's a computer thing. It's like a 404 error, except it tells browsers and podcast apps and all that shit that the original feed has moved to a new page and in theory everything just goes seamlessly. But the problem is our original podcast feed had a question mark in it. Oh. And for whatever reason, that means none of the easy online tools that will just set this thing up for you will ever work. Of course not. Now, <laughs> this is how fucking stupid I am. This is it it takes two lines of code to do this manually. <laughs> That's it. But it's two lines of code in fucking Unix. Uh-oh. Which I do not know very well. Bringing us back to Unix. Because okay. I am not fucking poor. <laughs> And the thing is, my day job is I'm a software developer. I'm not a fucking noob, but I develop in Windows almost exclusively. So getting the right two lines of code, you must have heard me cursing at the goddamn screen from the bathroom or something. Yeah, but it's, it's, that's a day. I do. If you're not like sitting in here pantsless screaming about goat fuckers, I, I worry that you're alive. <laughs> I do shriek at inanimate objects a lot. You know, if, if it's silent, I go looking for a mirror so I can come in and see if you're breathing. <laughs> it's probably a good choice. But <laughs> yeah, getting those things right, because you can only do it, again, you got to test it in production. So put the lines in and upload the file and try to see if the thing goes to the new thing. And it, it took me an hour and a half to write two lines of fucking code. And even then, it was another, however God knows how long, watching our feed on iTunes and hitting refresh every once in a while <laughs> to make sure that it picked up the new settings. So that worked. The only thing that that didn't fix, so that should fix everything seamlessly. Okay. So anybody who subscribed to the old feed, you should just pick this up the way you always did, whether you get it through iTunes or whatever. But the only thing it didn't work on was the Comics Podcast Network. And I love being a part of that. And I didn't want to leave people who find us there hanging if they were looking at old episodes. But that was a that one I had to do manually. So that was another... Two fucking hours Jesus. of copy and paste and test and manually editing posts with a new URL, but it, it's done. Because we love you. Indeed. <laughs> God damn it, we love you. In a really inappropriate fucking way. <laughs> Jesus. But, well, who needs a shower? <laughs> here we go. I'm pulling the trigger. For $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. I found a new sound effect this week, and I love it. It's got nothing to do with anything, but I don't care. <sighs> But yeah, it was, it was two full days work for something that you should never, ever see, shouldn't affect anybody, just stuff that had to happen. Boring shit that I've spent eight fucking minutes talking about. That, that you feel the need to be transparent about with our lovely listeners, so they understand why we weren't there for them last weekend. No, I just wanted to bitch. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got somebody I'm trying to, to frame this for you. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's all <laughs> I got a captive set of ears. Somebody's got headphones in, and I'm going to complain because I you, didn't like doing it. Are you still angry, Rob? I'm so filled with hate <laughs> and rage. Are you going to Hulk out, Rob? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have the energy to Hulk out. Okay, thanks. I just don't. <laughs> Yes, we're back on some level. I'm not even sure why, because we're going into the comics news drought before San Diego Comic-Con. This happens every fucking year. Yeah. It's nobody announces anything because they're it's not entirely true. Marvel announced. And of course, I forget the guy's name. The Marvel Studios announced the guy who uh, played Shane on uh, The Walking Dead has been cast as the Punisher. John Bernthal? Burn. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah. But, I mean, Marvel Studios, it feels like they're constantly announcing shit. <laughs> Here's an announcement. Leave us alone. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, it's not even leave us a note. It's look at me. Look, <laughs> we're still doing shit for you. We're going to have a movie. <laughs> We'd share like another billion Avengers dollars. <laughs> Please. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that voice came from. <laughs> um. <laughs> this happens every year. It happened, happened last year. The difference was we didn't care. Because we, we were going to San Diego. Because we could talk about the build up to San Diego because we were going. And this year it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So it's the the only news that's really coming out. Half of it is fucking convention exclusives. All the comic companies and toy companies and everybody who's any kind of vendor, they're announcing their convention exclusives, which are not things that we ever paid a lot of attention to historically. No, I mean, and honestly, it's gotten really hard to even get a look at them. Like, like Hasbro will have all, all its pretty ponies up that are exclusives. Like the degree of effort one would need to elbow your way in there and see the pony that you're not going to buy anyway makes it so that it's like, eh, I'll, I'll skip this one. <laughs> to be fair, there are a lot of people who go and all they're going for is some kind of exclusive, oh, yeah. whether it's, you know, just some sort of weird brain fetish of i want to be the only one to have the my little pony with the full-sized wang or whatever the <laughs> fuck it is the ten dollar all you can eat testicle fest <laughs> i'll get tired of that quick i swear i'm gonna not make but, the joke i was about to make but yeah the <laughs> but yeah you, you get those people who are just i need exclusives if there's a line i'm gonna stand in it because at the end of it is going to be something that's hard to get well we've talked about this before though like, san diego comic-con at this point is like several different conventions all rolled into you know one giant space so yes there's comics programming yes there's movie and television programming there is also merch so for those folks that are just flat out collectors there that's a convention for them as well so everybody's there for their own purposes oh absolutely and there's nothing wrong with it just because we never really have done a lot with exclusives uh, you know, the same way there's people, there's a line, I'm going to get in it. There's a line, good, they're not in between me and the Marvel booth. <laughs> they're not in between me and the DC booth. The Marvel booth is, like, ridiculous now. It's like, it's either you can't shoot your way in there, nor should you, because if you have a gun, they'll tackle you. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, I, th I think they're going to introduce the guy that Nathan Fillion is showing up for apropos of nothing on the marvel stage <laughs> <laughs> no because uh he's on castle which is on abc which is owned by disney i i know I would it's say, six like, degrees of disney that's all anything say, that happens as in far marvel. as comics are concerned apropos of nothing <laughs> yeah the only connection was uh who was it bendis and kelly sue deconic did yeah. a castle graphic novel once yeah once so <laughs> yay <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Nathan Fillion, but it was just like the biggest sort of like cognitive <laughs> dissonance. Like, I just want to see the Ant-Man helmet, like, or yeah. the Ultron helmet. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I'm glad he's there. Um, so why can't I get close enough to see Cap Shield? Oh, hi, Castle. <laughs> <laughs> I forget where I was going with that. I had a thought. We were talking about exclusives. Oh, okay. So, I mean, the only other real brushes we've had with it is we got in line once to pick up something for Lance's kid. Um, some sort of blizzard. Yeah, it was crit crit critter. It, it was a zerg. A it zerg? was a baby zerg from Starcraft for okay. his daughter. 
And to this day, do you know the horror of walking up to a stranger going, can you help me? I want to give a Zerg to a small girl. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a tasering offense. <laughs> that's why you let me take point, because it seems somehow kinder. Yeah. It's... <laughs> can I have a ticket for a Zerg? <laughs> I want to give it to a little girl. I got to stop doing that voice. It's irritating me. <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. I apologize. It's terrible. So emboldened by that, was it in the same convention or was it the following year that we said, you know, screw it, I'm going to get in line? Because I, I, I decided that I really wanted the um, Hot Wheels exclusive A-Team van yeah. that was being given away. I'm like, I can do it. I understand how this thing works now. I'm getting in line. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it was the same year. And okay. it was, we kind of figured out the sweet spot of the people who are hardcore about exclusives if the fl- if the floor opens at nine, they are there at nine lining up, and they are all done by about uh, ten thirty or so. Yeah. So if you strike at about eleven thirty when people are starting to get hungry and go out to lunch, that you can generally sneak in. And if there's a really exclusive exclusive, that'll be gone. But yeah. most of them you can get your hands on. If you want a My Little Pony, you're screwed. Just wait for eBay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> not saying that some... I wanted one. I'm just saying that that one, no, you're not, you're not getting in there. I, I know you didn't want one because we're still together, baby. That's <laughs> that's one of those. <laughs> that's a sticking point I'm not sure I could get past. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was the only year. and We each got something. You got. I, I got the A-Team van and you got the. Actually, you got a couple of things that you can mix and match. Yeah, and... I got the exclusive Shazam action figure. And the exclusive Man of Steel Superman action figure, which Well, that was actually in a that was in a, a set with Zod. Right. Fuck Zod. Who cares about Zod? No, but the reason you did that was because then that way you could swap Zod out and you could finally enact the the Superman Captain Shazam. Marvel. Yeah, Superman Captain Marvel are still fighting on the top of the bookshelf downstairs <laughs> three years later. Just needed the right like harness rigs to do it, and that that kit came with it. So, oh yeah, it's a I put Captain Marvel up in the air so he can punch down, and it's not really a great rig. It doesn't hold very often. <laughs> yeah, if you look at it funny, if a, if a large truck goes by, <laughs> yeah, Captain Marvel tilts dangerously to the side, like he's been doing prescription drugs before he decided to fly. Sometimes Billy just, Batson went to a pharma party. Yeah, <laughs> he just pitches right off the side of the bookshelf and crashes calamitously. It adds a little danger to the fight. <laughs> yeah, you know, for Christ's sake. It makes it feel real. Eventually he falls down and Parker, the, the office mascot, goes, oh, yay, a toy for me. And then we don't see him again for about a week. He's behind the couch. <laughs> yeah, or, or if you're just too slow, you see Captain Marvel skitter across <laughs> the floor, being chased by a giant black cat. <laughs> that could be straight out of any of the faucet books. It really could. <laughs> Mr. Talkie Tawny, save me. <laughs> But that was the only year we ever did exclusives, because yeah. that was 2013, so we went back last year, and even armed with all this knowledge, there was nothing there that was particularly interesting enough to go for. Yeah. So I don't think we got anything last year. No. No, I don't think so. But it's part of the problem is, a lot of these exclusives are just kind of shit. There's, there's a few, the really good ones... I mean, this is all why Preview Night was invented, so the hardcore people could get the really good ones in sort of at least a semi-uncrowded way. Yeah. Because it was the year they were doing, what was it, the Helicarrier? Yeah. Somebody was giving them, or selling the Shield Helicarrier, so Wednesday night and Thursday morning, and then they were gone. You'd see walk, people walking around with these giant fucking boxes of the playset. Yeah, Wednesday and Thursday, they were sold out, and then Friday, they were already on eBay. Yeah. 
well, that, that's the other reason half the people go for these things. They do turn around relatively quickly. Yeah. You could probably do something with that A-Team van, which right now is sitting in the closet in the original packaging. Yeah, because if it comes out of the packaging, it's going to diminish in value, and I have no place to put it right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's more column B. <laughs> I have no place to put it right now. First thing that happened when my shipment came back from <laughs> San Diego two years ago was Captain Marvel came out of the box and started fighting Superman. Pew, pew. I didn't quite get that far. <laughs> Not while you were awake. <laughs> Die, Superman! <laughs> Maybe that's where the voice came from. <laughs> I'll kill you! <laughs> you I, were my hero! I've got kryptonite! I don't even... <laughs> <laughs> that, that voice ruins everything. But most of the exclusives that are there are not stuff anybody would scream for except their exclusives at San Diego. I went looking today Yeah. at, at some of the exclusives that are available... Uh, this year, Entertainment Earth is selling a set of Kiss coasters. Oh, God. They are drink coasters that feature the band Kiss. Okay. I don't understand why anybody would fly 3,000 miles to lay down good money for something that you could win with an accurate ring toss at any county fair in 1989, but all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Entertainment Earth is also selling a Batman chair cape. Go on. It is a Batman cape <laughs> that you attach to the back of your office chair. Just because. Yes. Apparently to turn your chair into a superhero. <laughs> My office chair can't defeat beer farts. <laughs> I think Gotham's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> um, what else did I find? Is it even padded or is it it's just a fucking cape? It is. It, it looks like a satin cape uh-huh. <laughs> that you tape or glue to the back of your chair. So your chair has a Batman cape. Somebody sat in a design meeting and said, you know what would be cool? I don't know. (laughs) Mike, what? I don't know what would be cool either, but here's what we're going to (laughs) do. No, no, look. I have this bath towel, and I put put the bat emblem on it, the bat signal emblem on it, and and you can hang it from the chair. We can charge $30. I think that's what it's going for, actually. (laughs) Uh, Look, That's not going to get you beat up at work at all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, look, I've got, at my desk at work, I've got postcards of classic comic book covers all over the walls. I got one or two prints of decent comic art. Yeah, I'd get my ass kicked if I put a Batman <laughs> cape on my chair at work. Here, use this cape to dry your tears. <laughs> your salty, salty tears. <laughs> Write that one down. That's pretty good. What else is there? Something called Factory Entertainment will be selling a talking plush George R. R. Martin doll. Uh-huh. Including his little sailor cap that he wears. Okay. I got news for you. Unless he tells me whether Daenerys takes the Iron Throne, I am not cuddling with George R. R. Martin. That's probably what the doll says. You pull the string and he says, Tickle my balls and I'll tell you where they find all the dragon glass. Give me a happy ending, I'll tell you what happens to Tyrion. Jesus. Or maybe, ooh, here's my conspiracy theory. Maybe, maybe there's a secret microchip in there, and and people like will speculate out loud what they think is going to happen in Game of Thrones, and he's just going to download all this information so he can figure out how to finish the fucking books. <laughs> so it's a grift. He's just yeah. taking information from people, taking yeah. ideas. Oh, hey, there's a good idea. I should have Tyrion hook up with... <laughs> <laughs> No, fuck that. You pull the string and it goes. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. (laughs) 
Where he pulled the string and it goes. For $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> you know, you really should... There's a book we're going to talk about later in the show you should save that for. <laughs> I don't need to save it. It doesn't cost me anything to press the button. <laughs> uh, Bukia uh-huh. got an Alfred statue. Okay. Of- oh, I, I've seen that, actually. Yeah, but it's a fucking Alfred statue. Is it an Art FX one? Or is it just a Alfred statue? I, f- I forget. Because if it's Art FX, it's like, ooh, it's Alfred, and I have to paint it. Mm. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. What they had on the, the website that I found was just statue of Alfred standing there yeah. with a tray, with a teapot on it. It's a very nice statue. Yeah, you know, that you can display on your mantle. Next to your black and white statues of Batman, I don't know, doing stuff. Well, you know, sometimes when you're doing acrobatic things on a wire, you need to pause for refreshment. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Earl Grey tea. The pause that refreshes. <laughs> when Earl Grey tea. When you're pummeling the mentally ill, sometimes you need a short break. <laughs> there, <laughs> Mattel has a Batman-themed Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I am vengeance. I am the knight. I'm hauling lettuce through the outskirts of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Toot! I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am toot toot! <laughs> I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Uh, only other one I found, and this is perfectly acceptable. Except I don't know why you would do this. Something called Cinequest uh, has a supernatural Hot Wheels car. Okay, from the show Supernatural. That has like a really big following. I, I I've not watched it, but I've watched one or two, and it's not bad. But when I think of the show, I, I don't think cars. No. <laughs> I mean, but here's the thing. The Hot Wheel is of a 1967 Chevy Impala SS. Okay. Now, one of my best friends in high school had a 68 Impala SS, and I loved that car. All right. I still don't give a shit about this fucking thing. (laughs) Well, uh, you're also not like a Hot Wheels collector either. That's true. That's apparently you. You have uh, one. (laughs) Two. I have two. Oh, that's right. I got you the... (laughs) Yeah, one time you got drunk and you said, I want a Mustang. Like a dick. I went to CVS and got you a Mustang Hot Wheels. (laughs) Why you didn't fire that at my head? I have no idea. I'm surprised that Parker hasn't batted it somewhere, honestly. That was a dick move on my part. I shouldn't have done that. They got my dick missing. I'm sorry. It's okay. I forgive you. So yeah, I mean, the, we'll keep hearing about exclusives. I'm sure over the next two or three weeks. At this point since everybody's holding their comics news for Comic-Con, the only thing you hear about is some of the panels that are coming up or the panels that aren't. Yeah. And the big one this year is Marvel Studios isn't going to do their big Saturday panel that they've done almost every year since Iron Man. Their their big movie panel? Right. Okay. Because I can't imagine they wouldn't do Cup of Joe and all of that other stuff yeah, where they is... talk about how awesome they are and have their fans also yeah, uh, Marvel... express that. Marvel Publishing is going to show up, and they'll have all the panels, and that's where all the comics news will come from that we're not getting right now. Right, right. But, yeah, Marvel Studios is not going to be part of it. And which, again, even if we were going, that would never affect us. 
Because we... We don't tend to go to Hall H. Yeah. I mean, we haven't gone to any of the big movie panels since Watchmen in 2008. Right. So, you know, even if we were going to Comic-Con, this wouldn't affect us directly. But a lot of people are screaming that, oh, why are they doing this? Why aren't they doing anything? We should keep an eye on if they start breaking any news on if they're going to be treating Hall H lines differently. Last year, there was that sort of weird effort to... I don't know if it was wristbands or... What yeah, was. God, what the hell were they doing? Because again, we we didn't do anything with Hall Age. But people were finding ways to grift that too, so it, was, it wasn't any better than. Yeah, they, they were giving out like wristbands for the the next day, so that you didn't necessarily have to stay there overnight. And then, yeah, people were making weird trades, and yeah, there were one or two stories that came out that some people were uh, allowed to jump in line, whether they had wristbands or not. Yeah, that kind of line favoritism and shenanigans always sort of happens now that there's social media you start hearing about them but yeah i mean shit the watchman panel that we got into <laughs> that was pure fucking gamesmanship we should have been beaten unconscious before we got into that fucking panel that's true it was purely a case of and i've told the story on the show before it was like our third comic-con so we at least had a sense we had a pretty solid sense of how everything worked we were walking past hall h and clearly saw a line minder who was just in over his head, yeah. sort of panicky and staring around trying to figure stuff out. And because of that, a big gap had formed in the line. Yes. Like right toward the front. So So we got in line. Yeah. It's, <laughs> okay. The, the worst that can happen is somebody shrieks at us and we say, oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was the end of the line, which never happened. Yeah. We cut in front of had to be 4,000 fucking people. <laughs> Something I feel a little shame about as the years have gone on, but... Yeah, especially since uh, the panel was okay. It's not like we really learned anything. No. And it was before you, you had switched to the the e-cig, too. So by the end of... that was the, we, Weren't we in there like for back-to-back panels because you wanted to see Kevin Smith? No, that was the first year. That was that first year? Okay. Yeah, that was the year <laughs> Yeah, uh, before Kevin Smith became a Saturday night staple. Uh, he had a panel scheduled during the day, so this would have been 2006. And uh, yeah, we went in early to see the... Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, Grindhouse panel, because it was right beforehand. Right. And that was a perfectly good panel, because I hadn't heard a hell of a lot about that movie. But yeah, after standing in a line to get in there, and the lines were not nearly as bad back then. And then, yeah, Smith was late, so I hadn't had a cigarette in like two hours. And by the time somebody came out and said, oh, he's stuck in traffic somewhere south of L.A., I almost developed superpowers to fucking blow his car up. (laughs) Like, nope, we're not waiting. Fuck Kevin Smith. Fuck him in his stupid face. So then the following couple of years, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we shot a gap. We took a chance. Yeah. So and that was the last time we went to Hall H. Yeah. So we should. And, and by the way, we we are trying to line up a guest who will be there. So one way or the other, even though we're not going to be there, we're hopefully should have some news from the scene. Uh, we we should have a guest at least one day the week of the convention that we'll bring in remotely on Skype or the phone or whatever so we can hear some stuff that's going on. So yes. we'll have some coverage for you, hopefully. Stay tuned. Where else are you going to go? <laughs> Wait, don't leave. <laughs> no, we love you. I'll stop pressing the testicle vest button. Jesus. No, you won't. I'll never stop pressing that button. <laughs> no, Here, have another one. $10 all-you-can-eat testicle vest. Jesus. It could be worse. I'm not going to do it. Don't do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> All right, so Marvel Studios, not coming. Yeah. Is this a big deal? Not to me. <laughs> realistically, what, what the fuck would they talk about? 
Uh, Ant-Man opens before that, right? I think after. After? Are they, are they, come? is Disney coming to talk about Star Wars? Yes. And we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. There, there's going to be a big Star Wars, like seven different panels throughout Friday, including a big uh, Hall H blowout. Well, I suppose they could talk about Ant-Man, which is about to open anyway at that point. They could talk about Daredevil season two, if they allow television discussion. They could talk about some of the phase two stuff on Netflix. They could talk about that, but doing TV and Hall H, you don't get a lot of that. The TV stuff tends to be Ballroom 20. Well, except for Doctor Who. Doctor Who was pretty much always in Hall H. No, only the last couple years. Well, Actually, they weren't even there last year, so I think the year before last they made it to Hall H. But uh, it was Ballroom 20 for a long time. Okay. The strain was Hall H last year. Yeah. Which we almost did because that was that was one of those ones there wasn't actually a line for once. Yeah, no, we were we were walking past. I think going back to the hotel, and yeah, one of the line minders was no waiting for the strain. Come on in. <laughs> like, I'm pretty I'm pretty sober. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it's five o'clock. I, I need to be drunk now. Yeah, but, and, and yeah, the strain is a great show, but uh, yeah, I wasn't feeling the need to slow down at that point. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think it had debuted at that point. So no. we were kind of interested, but it's not like it was, oh, we can see the star. And I don't even know who's on that show to this day. I like the show. But... <laughs> people. There are people on the show. But, yeah, I'm not sure what else they could even... They can't talk about Spider... Well, they could talk about Spider-Man casting, but that could bite them in the ass if something falls through. Because last year, everybody thought one of the big announcements they were going to make was who they cast as Doctor Strange. And at the time, everybody thought it was going to be Joaquin Phoenix. And yeah, see how well that fucking turned out. Yeah. I mean, and, and at this point, they don't actually have anybody cast. They the, There were rumors that Asa Butterfield was cast, and then he wasn't. Chandler Riggs posted something on his Twitter feed or Instagram with, with a picture of, you know, thanks for the opportunity or something. Um, oh, so Jesus. he got passed over for it. And I, I've softened on that kid over the last couple seasons, but... He can't be Spider-Man. No, and I think the best comment I saw on that was on Bleeding Cool. Somebody responded to that with, you can't have him in there because Aunt May will spend the entire movie going, where's Peter? Why isn't he in the house? Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Did Spider-Man go in that burning building? Yeah, and then he went off on his own someplace. I don't know. (laughs) Where's Peter? (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man's kind of a dick. (laughs) So, I mean, unless they had something firmly in hand. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. What's the, what's the next movie to open up after Ant-Man? Uh, Captain America Civil War. We're, we're far enough away from that, and unless they had some sort of really excellent teaser they were ready to drop. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's still an active production right now. So in theory, they could have some footage, but I don't think it's been in production more than a few weeks. And, and Disney has their own convention at this point, D23. Right. So they've been doing a lot more promotion up through that convention... Yeah, I mean, if I remember right, 2011, they didn't really do much with the Avengers. It was... That and that's was... about when they started to really change their booth structure, too. So it was, yeah. you know, here's our thing, and not much else. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's... Because, uh, yeah, well, it was 2012 that the first Avengers trailer, I think, started to hit after that Disney convention. Yeah. Because I don't think they did a hell of a lot in Hall H in 2011, so it's not exactly unheard of. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure what else they could do. Nobody's really talking about who's being cast as Captain Marvel yet. No. You know, there's a few names floating around. 
that I did see as I was Googling. It's like they didn't cast that while I was watching, was it? <laughs> and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard just did an interview with somebody, and she said that she wants to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm surprised she had time to mention it in between her constantly needing to tell people, sorry, I'm not Jessica Chastain. <laughs> but yeah, that doesn't even have a director yet, so you know, they couldn't do anything with that. So I mean, at that point, yeah, why even bother to go to SDCC? I still think it should be Katie Sackhoff. I think if you're going to give that character to anybody, it should be her. You're absolutely right. A lot of and, people are like, no, nah, Jessica Chastain should do it. And, and they, 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 they bandy around a whole bunch of other names. Like, no, I... Give it to fucking Starbuck. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and the reason you think that is because it is right and pure and true, and if you think otherwise... You're an imbecile. That's the only person who should be fucking Captain Marvel, and I think... Well, yeah. at, at least we know it. I think everybody should, but... Yeah, and besides, Marvel kind of showed this past year that they can just set up their own arbitrary event <laughs> and make all the news cycle cycles because they did that thing it was the el capitan something theater where they announced all the phase three shit oh yeah 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 they're just taking it on their own now (laughs) apropos of nothing it's uh, let's rent a knights of columbus hall (laughs) and get a camera and we'll stream it on youtube and uh, we'll all go out for latkes after some fucking thing i don't know are the elks using this this week no okay great (laughs) (laughs) can we can we keep the sound system from the stand-up comedy extravaganza from saturday night (laughs) We'll make this quick. No, 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 don't don't put the PA system back yet. I know you're done with bingo. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we'll we'll fly Bob Downey and he'll talk real quick. (laughs) I I have some ideas for phase four. (laughs) Uh, Yes, phase four will be uh, Ms. Marvel and... uh, Squirrel Girl. Yes, and uh, (laughs) and B-27. Bingo! Hey! (laughs) So they, they don't really... Unless they have something specific to announce, it is kind of pointless for them to do anything. Yeah. But I mean, the other thing, and this is speculation I've seen kind of around on the internet, but if you think about it, it makes total sense. And you can say anything you want about Zack Snyder and how you feel about Man of Steel, but this year, DC and Warner Brothers, they're bringing at least Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad footage mm-hmm. and stars. And they might be announcing stuff around Wonder Woman and uh, Justice League. Okay. You know, some half-assed, oh, we might have a Spider-Man. <laughs> it's going to be a hard thing to stand up for. it. Even if you hated Man of Steel, that's a lot of news, and it's going to take a lot of the cycles. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, Jesus Christ. Bring the rock out in a Black Adam costume, DC wins Comic-Con, no matter what <laughs> anybody else does. It's true. I mean, compare that to, like, Paul Rudd trying to answer questions about why Edgar Wright got fired. Yeah. This. Well, I, I get really tiny, and then the rock just cocks an eyebrow, and he wins. <laughs> he just drops the mic with his eyebrow. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's it, you can't beat that. <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna put up? <laughs> what are you gonna put up otherwise? You're fucking Michael Douglas showing up. Uh, my motivation for Hank Pym was a fucking paycheck. Next question. <laughs> like, I took out from eating pussy and getting cancer from it to do this. Next. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I'm not sure what Marvel could put out this year that could stand up to potentially The Rock. Oh, Jesus. What's it? Uh, Will Smith. As Deadshot. Yeah. Uh, What's his name? Margot Robbie is going to be Harley Quinn. Yeah. uh, What's his name from Fight Club? Is the Joker? Oh, Jared Leto. Yeah. Yeah, Plus, Affleck and... (laughs) 
what I imagine will be a lot of footage from Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Because at that point, it's only like eight months till it's released, so they should have a decent amount of finished effect shit to show off if they want to. Yeah, I, I think Disney probably is best off concentrating their efforts on Star Wars at the convention then. Well, and, and they're going to have a huge presence. Like I said, it's there's seven different panels that they're doing just Friday, like seven general Star Wars panels. Okay. And the Hall H one where J.J. Abrams is basically teasing they're going to show new footage. Okay. And they're going to have special guests, which means I guarantee you Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill are going to be there. Yeah. I mean, Ford is he's out of the hospital. He's flying again, and he's already done it. He was there in 2013 for Ender's Game. Although, as I recall, he said at the end of it that he was never, ever going to fucking do it again. It's not for everybody. <laughs> well, then again, I, I saw when he was on, it was probably late 90s, early 2000s, he was on Inside the Actors Studio, that Bravo show, yeah. you know, where they ask you, what's your favorite curse word? <laughs> and the only reply should be, fuck you, Lipton. But... <laughs> But yeah, in that one, he said he'd never play Han Solo again, so money's a funny fucking thing. Yeah. Now, Carrie Fisher would show up in exchange for a hot meal. <laughs> and yes, that includes a microwave burrito from 7-Eleven. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of Star Wars. So they're probably... Disney is probably saying, all right, well, what's our best chance to at least try to stand up to fucking yeah. what amounts to the Dark Knight Returns and Justice League and Wonder Woman and The Rock... <laughs> cooking something in his eyebrows apparently <laughs> is that how this is going to work i don't know but <laughs> shazam here's your microwave burrito thank you <laughs> god damn it there's some crossover synergy right there <laughs> but yeah i mean otherwise yeah there's just not a hell of a lot of comics news we're probably gonna have to suffer with this for the next two and a half three goddamn weeks because it is only like three and a half weeks yeah and uh <laughs> should i bother talking about the message that I got? No. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. As of right this second, we will not be attending Comic-Con <laughs> this year. But if that changes, we'll keep you posted. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes weird shit happens. Yes. So, but we're probably not going. No. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But we, we should have some, some coverage from it. Yes. So, based on that, uh, how are we doing on time? Uh, we, we just minutes. We just talk about a bunch of comic books. We could. Oh, well, all right, here's here's a Marvel thing that they probably won't talk about there. Okay. For Daredevil Season 2, Jason Statham. Statham has been cast to be Bullseye. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> there... Why do I think that, Rob? <laughs> because early this week, that was the rumor. Okay. And everybody got excited and rightly so i think he would have made a pretty solid bullseye i'm not sure no i mean, i like colin farrell honestly i don't think he could do worse than colin farrell <laughs> colin farrell was okay but but no it's uh his people very quickly like the next day debunked it and then he himself said no those movies are kind of cgi and soulless and not really good action and i think that's what prompted Marvel to make the announcement of John Bernthal as Punisher to at least okay. jack some excitement back into that. Okay. But yeah, it was, hmm. it, it, it looked very solidly like it was going to happen the same way Joaquin Phoenix was going to be Dr. Strange. Yeah. And, okay. He's just holding out for Bond. Someday Daniel Craig will die. 
Daniel Craig will never die. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of the big news. At least they're coming out with that. So <laughs> Who would you want to see be Bullseye? I mean, that's the thing. I'm not sure. Bullseye is supposed to be kind of a cipher. Yeah. I don't necessarily have a problem with how Colin Farrell handled it. Did he make him a little more over-the-top crazy and less just flatly dangerous than I would like? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but I think he fits into what you might find in, say, like an Ennis kind of story from that time period. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't think he was terrible. Yeah. I've said before, I got a soft spot, at least for the director's cut of that movie. I think he was fine, but was he, is he who I picture when I picture Bullseye saying, you know, you're pretty good toots, but me, I'm magic, and then just butchering Electra? <laughs> no, that's not who I picture. I could picture Jason Statham doing it, but otherwise, I'm really not sure. Yeah, I'd have to think about it. I honestly. mean, from, from, from the first season of it, Anybody beyond Scott Glenn, <laughs> I couldn't picture doing the things that they were doing. <laughs> and that includes D'Onofrio. I could, uh, isn't he a little thin to be uh, Kingpin? Uh, no, he did just fucking fine. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hoping they find somebody unknown, given the success they had with putting actors in parts that generally were, I don't want to say unknowns, but certainly other than D'Onofrio, not household names. Yeah. Surprise me, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't do that anymore. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They have been going to... I don't even want to say that's a recent development, because right from Robert Downey Jr., it was, let's pick a name that you'll know that is right for the part. Mm. They really don't go far afield. With... Well, for the TV properties, though, I don't feel like they've gone out of their way particularly to find, again, other than D'Onofrio... You'll know this person, and you'll want to see them. Like, like Charlie Cox. Uh, I don't know who that is beyond... I, I, I like him now. Yeah. <laughs> I love him from this thing I'm watching him in. Right. <laughs> yeah, who is it? Kristen Ritter is Jessica Jones. Yep. So I, I don't mean, know who that is. <laughs> uh, wasn't she uh, Pinkman's girlfriend? Yeah. Uh, choked on vomit? Okay. Good honor. <laughs> I, I liked her in Breaking Bad. Um, I did not Assuming watch. Assuming that was her, I could be. I could be misremembering. I I did not watch. Um, what a the B in Apartment Twenty Three or whatever. I think that was the other thing she was in. Well, it had the stink of Vanderbeek on it, <laughs> and that's a stink that doesn't go away. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But uh, she's another one. See, I'm not sure who I would have put as Jessica Jones. Yeah, I don't somebody know. older. Yeah. You feel that that should be a character who's um, a little weary with life experience. Yeah, who's lived long enough to realize this shit sucks and I'm tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> lived long enough to say, all right, Luke, in my ass. All right, if that's what you got to do. <laughs> Beige, I think I'll paint the ceiling. Beige. <laughs> I'm not pressing the button. <laughs> so, yeah, I I couldn't tell you <laughs> who I'd want who I'd want to be bullseye. I'll I'll be I'll be cheerfully surprised, hopefully. <laughs> All right. All right. So should we just talk some comic books? Let's talk some comic books. Which one do you want to start with? Uh I'll let you. No, you do it. Nope. You've got the notes. 
then I'll just go in the order that I have them here. That's fine with me. So uh, this is one that, that you picked out. Okay. I certainly have opinions on it. Uh, Starve, <laughs> uh, written by Brian Wood, uh, art by Daniel Zezelge. What kind of parents would name their kid that? <laughs> okay. I mean, did, does that even look remotely right? I might have yes, transcribed no, you, it Yes, you wrote that right. Okay, so, yeah, uh, first issue. Uh, got this guy, Gavin Cruikshank. It's a former celebrity chef of the future. <laughs> it's a future where the market's crashed, the government's been privatized, general public is being dulled on the opiate of cooking shows. In particular, the show is called Starve, right? Yep. Uh, which was created by Cruikshank. Just before he abandoned it to bum around China, getting fucked up and eat street food, and and he conceived it originally as a travelogue, as as opposed to um, a cooking competition. Yes, but either way, he's got eight episodes left on his contract. He's got an estranged daughter and a bitchy ex-wife to feed, so he comes back to get paid. Actually, he's collected by network handlers who have tracked him down. Like, he can't even just, like, break his contract. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about that in a second. But either way, he's back. He's going to get his show back. Kick ass and chew bubble gum. Except he's all out of gum. <laughs> so he chews a dead dog. Um, this is the one you wanted to talk yeah. about. I certainly have opinions on it, but why don't you take point? So I didn't know anything, honestly, about this book before I picked it up other than, you know, oh, Brian Wood, okay. And so I picked it up and and I'm reading through it. And the first thing that stands out to me is like, huh, we're talking about pock pock noodles randomly for, for no particular reason. And we're talking about a particular dumpling, Mu Ping. And okay, um what what <laughs> am I reading? <laughs> now the, we've talked about this on the show before. You're you're kind of a I hate the you word. You can use foodie. the F word, yeah. <laughs> You're a fucking foodie. I am. I, am. I, I, I don't have Instagram, but I do tweet my meals occasionally. Um, yeah, me too. Oh, we're not talking about the same no. thing. <laughs> so as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, no, wait a minute. This seems very Anthony Bourdain. This, <laughs> this is, um, and as I'm reading along a little further, I go back, I take a look at the cover. I'm like, yeah, they're even aping the, the embroidery that he uses. It's a, uh, skull with a knife in its teeth on his uh, chef whites so if you look at the cover the the now character for, crookshank has a knife in his mouth now for for those of you who are not foodies or don't live with foodies chef whites uh, that's a chef shirt yes <laughs> it's it's the yeah the uniform the the top part <laughs> i i have to i feel i have to translate thanks actually it's not even the chef whites are the whole thing but the uh <laughs> the uniform it's the uniform <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a terrible person <laughs> I'm a terrible person because I'm going to say, I don't tweet my mate, my meals, I tweet yours. They got my dick missed! <laughs> I'm a terrible person. At least you've learned appropriately that truffle oil is, is for assholes. Oh, truffle oil is the worst thing in the world. It should be outlawed under the Geneva Convention. It, it smells like concentrated foot. It does, and melted plastic and ass. <laughs> it, it's It's horrible. It's... I would rather be trapped in an elevator with like five guys wearing Dracker Noir than, <laughs> <laughs> yes. than like one drop of truffle oil on a fry because somebody's being fucking pretentious at my local bar. Yeah, no truffle oil on fries. It was wrong and you knew it. It's, it's awful stuff. It, they It says truffle, but it ain't. It's just fucking petrochemicals and it smells like feet and ass. Um, 
But anyway, so I, I'm, I'm reading this and then I go back and I kind of look and I'm like, actually, the way that they're drawing the character, it looks like Marco Pierre White from who is a who's a, a chef that um, was one of the youngest chefs to ever get Michelin stars and is often lionized by other um, celebrity chefs as being like the guy. So there, there's Wood spent a lot of time putting together this dystopian future, utilizing for those people who are in foodie culture, some some imagery that immediately jumps out at you as, huh, okay, this, this seems to be, if I was going to read a book or watch a television program about dystopian future anima foodie, this would be the book that I would be reading. <laughs> it's, it's like a cook store and so, the running man had a, an awful baby. So he's casting a wide net for the maximum <laughs> possible demographic. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, d- but I like it. I like. I'm reading this, so it's like, all right. So we've got this this guy, and and he tried to go off the grid, and and then he's he's pulled back in because apparently contracts are harder to break in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and and all right, he wants to get his shit back. His wife is awful. He now has a grown daughter that he apparently had been close with at some point when she was much younger. And somebody has completely perverted the one creation that he was taking any kind of pride in into this whole other thing. So now he's got to go back into this persona that he used to to do <laughs> and and walk in those shoes again after he thought he'd put it behind him. <laughs> okay. It, it it just it's it's appealing to me. So all right, I'll I'll read it. I'm I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate it. Okay. I had I had significant problems with it, and the biggest problem I had was this is transmetropolitan with a celebrity chef instead of a writer and without the sense of humor, or at least without as much of the sense of humor. The parallels between this and Transmet are everywhere. And you're right. I, I think it's based on Tony Bourdain as opposed to Hunter Thompson in mm-hmm. Transmetropolitan, but half of Tony Bourdain's fucking personality is straight out of Hunter Thompson. Oh, absolutely. It, it's, it's a weird meta thing because... Last night, um, I threw on a, a, an episode of No Reservations, and it was the Cleveland episode, and he has Harvey fucking Picar. <laughs> because, because, yeah, uh, on a Saturday night watching cooking shows. You just want to suck the joy out of everything. <laughs> you were up here fucking with things. <laughs> yeah, all right, good point. Good point. Anyway, go on. Harvey Picar. So, and he's talking about like how his life is is kind of cartoonish at this point, and Picar is like animating parts of the damn episode. And you know, I'm watching this after having just read this book, and I've read a Cook's Tour, like the the novelization of when he was doing the TV show. I've read No Reservations. I've I've read some of the other books. It, there's this whole weird meta thing happening. <laughs> my chocolate's in my peanut butter, and I'm not sure how I feel about this. <laughs> yeah, he, he's clearly inspired, at least by Thompson's persona. And yeah. a certain amount of his writing gets in there because I've read because the books are around and I will read anything you put in front of me. Yeah, I've at least read Kitchen Confidential and uh, maybe the nasty bits. Yeah. And uh, I've read everything Hunter Thompson ever put down on paper. And he, he there's a certain amount of language overlap. Yeah, in, no, in there's definitely overlap. a language overlap. Uh, but it was weird for me reading this book because I'm no longer having quite the same love affair I used to have with Bourdain. I, I, I still enjoy what he puts out as product. 
but having been someone who is in sort of on the on the ground floor back when he used to be somewhat more accessible in some ways and would actually go on the Food Network boards and respond to fans and then kind of watching him seemingly buy into his own hype after a while. And I was going to actually tweet him to see what he thought of this book if he knew about it, but then I realized I had completely dissed Get Jiro. So I didn't <laughs> want to go back and be like, I'm not going to talk to you, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was one of the other... Uh, parallels um i do want to stop god help me i want to stop for a second to talk about anthony bourdain i really don't want to get too derailed but um where he lost me and it was part of the cognitive dissonance that prevented me from getting completely into this book where this is clearly supposed to be bourdain that's not bourdain because of his aborted attempt at a talk show oh, with him yeah. and a bunch of his rich asshole celebrity <laughs> chef buddies were completely without irony. He said, I've had thousand dollar meals and I won't apologize to anybody. Now, you're not a man of the fucking people. If you had a thousand dollar fucking dinner, dude. Oh, I know. Like I said, I've, I've sort of come out of it. I, I've, I... Yeah. But it's having that understanding means, okay, I get where you're going with this character, but I don't believe this character. Cause I don't believe the dude would do it. No, but I don't think this this and, character. And that's not Wood's fault. Yeah, he's he's building an archetype based on an invented personality right. that this guy has made twenty million dollars on, but it still was something that stuck in my head. Oh no, and he's pulling clearly from multiple sources because, like I said, the personality is pulled from some of Bourdain, the art, how they're how they're imagining the character is clearly pulled from Marco Pierre White, but with this um, Southeast Asian area where he's having the story start, you know, I remember the initial episode of a cook's tour where I think it was called Gone Bamboo, where he shows up in like Thailand for the first time. Right. And, and so some of this stuff, it, it, my cognitive distance was, was everything that I had already known about some of the stuff where Wood is pulling this from just sort of blatantly filling in. <laughs> yeah. And I can understand that, but uh, let me get back to the, transmit thing because i haven't even started to scratch the goddamn surface on that it's both characters this uh gavin crookshank and spider jerusalem they're both somehow part of the cultural zeitgeist despite having what really is a marginal occupation yeah i mean spider jerusalem was kind of a newspaper writer <laughs> that's not exactly a way that you get the public eye these days yeah and uh, Certainly somebody on food TV, yeah, they got their own channel. Yeah, it's basic cable, but yeah, both characters fucked off on their contracts to go live free somewhere. Both are dragged back because of those contractual issues. Both have vindictive ex-wives. Yep. Uh, Gavin's declared him dead in this book. Spiders went into cryogenic freeze with orders only to come back after he was declared dead. <laughs> both are demanding the company provide appropriate, acceptable housing both become violent when there's money at stake. Both of them eat weird shit. <laughs> Spider eats porpoise. This guy's eating dog. I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. And all the parallels, were, there were so many of them, it was distracting. But it also lacks that over-the-top, brutal, hyper, hyper, hyperbolic. Yeah. The, the big humor that was half of what made Transmet so much fun. Well, and so I'm wondering, you know, wh where it's going to go because I, I don't disagree with you. Um, when did DMZ come out? That was mid 2000s. Okay, so um, Transmit would have already been out for a while, right? Because 
according to the press that came out when this book was being um, solicited, Wood said that this was originally going to be the project he was going to follow up DMZ with, and then it sort of got put aside for a while. Okay. So I wonder, <laughs> in that intervening time, how it changed from the initial pitch. Yeah, I have no idea. It would be interesting to find out. From a nut-cutting standpoint, another problem I had with this, and again, it's I'm going to compare it to Transmet. That, because that's okay. Transmet showed you the world that they're in. And this book does a lot of telling instead. It does. I, I, will, I will agree with you. There. Granted, it's one issue, but over the course of a few issues, you got a sense of how the poor lived in the city in Transmetropolitan. And here it's this rich guy who's bumming around in some other country saying, oh, things are so terrible and this is what's being sold to the poor. And as simple as, oh, my God, on my show, I have to cook dog because that's what the poor eat. Don't fucking tell me that. Right now, the poor is an ephemeral concept. I haven't seen any poor in the United States in this book yet. And the poor in China or Vietnam or wherever he was, the food all seemed fine. <laughs> the booze sucked, and that made me cry. But... <laughs> but we don't see it. There's food everywhere. He's stopping at food stands and stuffing his face and going to the fights and... I I, I hope that pacing isn't going to be an issue. I wonder how many... How many issues of the book he's planning on doing for this? I'm not sure. Because I think I think it's written and and inked up through like four or five at this point, from what I've read. They were originally going to push this back to July or something, and it, it they they managed to get it out on time. Or something. <laughs> I I have no idea about the the publishing schedule on this. Let's face it, a book like this would jump out more for you than it would for me. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I wasn't even aware of it until I picked it up, and then I so then I read it, and then I Googled it to see you know what kind of interviews he did leading up to this. I do remember hearing about it, because I sort of made note of, oh, it's Brian Wood doing a, a an indie cooking book. Yeah. You know, that should be something that, that you'd want to read anyway. But then I kind of forgot about it, because again, <laughs> the other thing I had a problem with we're dealing with a world where it's clearly stated almost everything's been privatized, including the government. Right. So everything is corporate. Everything is about how do I get the maximum amount of profit? It has separated the top 1% from everybody else. I have a hard time imagining a corporation that would take an existing property that is a travelogue show and mutate that into this thing that they're using to make the 99% feel dehumanized i have a hard time believing they would do that when that means they have to pay a bitch if that's the kind of show you want make up your own i can't imagine anybody who would say let's take this and make this this other thing we want and we'll have to pay this missing guy if we ever find him yeah and even I... if we don't we'll have to pay his bitch of a widow it's i don't it, know it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me perhaps it will get explained as the story unfolds yeah look Wood is a good writer, so this is not terrible. I think it's very flawed, and I think it's very derivative. I thought it was okay. If you're a foodie, you're probably going to get more out of it than I am. But it was it was only okay. It, it had significant problems that it's going to have to start overcoming real fucking fast if it's going to keep me in, because I don't, I don't know what a tuk-tuk noodle is, and frankly, I don't give a <laughs> shit. 
pock pock, but that's okay. Yeah. So whatever. This is the part where I say something like, well, you know, it's named because that's the noise that is made when you're grinding the spices and the herbs and the mortar. The story! <laughs> the story. And the mortar and pestle. <laughs> pock pock. That's it. That's your punishment. You're bad and you should feel bad. Okay. <laughs> so I think we got a split verdict on this one. I, I don't think it was terrible, but I don't think it rose above okay. And I think it's right now everything I've seen looks really flawed and derivative. And it's really got to make some moves fast. Okay. I enjoyed it. But listening to you discuss it, yes, I, I can see exactly what you're saying. But I, I, I chose to overlook that. Which is fine. Yeah, look, ultimately, this is all for entertainment purposes. It, it's okay to read stuff that is not necessarily perfect. It's okay to read stuff just for fun. It's okay to say, you know, this is about food and that's enough for me. The same way I did, all right, this is about Batman and that's enough for me <laughs> about 50% of the time. So that just for me, yeah, since the subject matter doesn't hold a deep place in my heart, all right, then the other stuff really stuck out. And it's he's going to have to tack away from it or do something about it if it's going to hook me in anymore. Okay. All right. I picked the first one. What do you want to do next? Let's talk about Starfire. All right. Starfire number one by Amanda Com Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. Yeah. Art by Emanuela Lupacino. So, yeah. Starfire has moved to Key West. Like, everybody's been threatening. Yes. And, uh... After spending three years in a Scott Lobdell book, she has no idea how real people act in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she basically spends this entire issue with uh, Key West Sheriff uh, learning what money is. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, Arsenal really knew how to show a lady a good time. <laughs> uh, she finds a place to live and uh, turns men into utter loons. And then there is a hurricane. Yes. So, you know, I... There's a lot to like in this book. Um, here's a case where if if you're familiar at all with the character, you're familiar with her origin story. Um, and they, they, they cover it quickly. Um, they cover it more kindly because I've seen depictions where Commander, her older sister, is way more of a bitch to her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they all of the stuff that people bitched about in Lobdell's run where you know she's got a goldfish memory and she's overly sexual and kind of a bimbo and just gives <laughs> of herself too freely and kind of tarts it up here. Uh, Apparently it was freely. She doesn't know what money is. Yeah. Um, here, you know, they, they cover where she got her super strength and powers from. They, they show her as being empathetic in, in a scene that she's, in the car with the sheriff and the sheriff is talking about how, you know, she misses her grandmother who's passed away, thinks about her every day. And, and, and she just, Corey just starts crying. <laughs> yeah. Which in turn, you know, then, then the sheriff starts crying. <laughs> well, a complete polar opposite from the starfire we met in September, 2011 yeah. in Red Hood and the Outlaws, where, it's sort of been, sleep with me? But it's, it's sort of been written out of the official version, but if you have the actual issue where Arsenal asks her, you don't remember Dick Grayson? Yeah. <laughs> Who she had had a relationship with for 10 years. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely no empathy there. So that's a major change here that, yeah, was frankly 
fucking welcome. And I've said before on this show, I don't have huge feelings towards Starfire as a character, but uh, certainly I was familiar with her, and this felt much more like what Marv Wolfman was writing. Yeah, I know. I agree. As as someone who is a Teen Titans person from way back, this felt more right. Um, and and there's just yeah the the sort of beautiful naivete that they just allowed flower in this book. <laughs> yeah, it's they they have definitely moved her back to yeah being naive and kind of sweet. Yeah. And yeah, generally sexually open, but there's a difference between sexually open and sexually forward. You know, it's yeah, Starfire makes out with uh I forget the dude's name in this book. Um yeah. Yeah, it, just because she thinks he's beautiful, you know, back in the day, Lobdell wrote her as she was just ready for dick, and she'll forget about it afterwards. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, I, I, I can't get over it, it, It's been written out of the trade. You can't see it anymore. But yeah, flat out Arsenal, you don't remember Dick Grayson? They were at a wedding ceremony in Titans 100. Right. And that was after 10 years of a relationship. Um, the, the character she kisses is Boone and her explanation is that she can learn languages by kissing someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've wrapped my lips around some Boone now and again. Somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. But, it, you know, it's, it's also her lack of understanding of the world is, is artistically depicted in some cool ways where people will use idioms and she doesn't understand. So she'll visualize Oh yeah, and a little <laughs> a little thought balloon. Yeah, that, what she's picturing in her head. The the one I remember was, uh, the jeweler says, "I can give you three big ones for this diamond you've got," and she just pictures three elephants. She's like, "What will I do with them?" <laughs> <laughs> or you know, uh, please forgive him. That boy walks around all day horny as an alley cat. Um, in in ref the grandmother talking about Boone after they they were making out, and yeah. so she's picking picturing this cat with like horns coming out of its head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And some comment about man children. She's picturing, like, literally adults that are childlike. <laughs> yeah, and, and Lupacino, this is fairly classic, somewhat realistic comic art. Mm -hmm. You know, where she is drawn as a beautiful woman, but not the sex pot that we got from Kenneth Rockefort back in the early days of Red Hood and the Outlaws. Yeah. And it may not be fair... I have harped on that book. We have both harped on that book over and over again. We never read anything but like number one and well, number it was three. it was the combination of the two things. Rockefeller has a very cheesecake style, and that's fine. You know, there's sure. there's a place for cheesecake. Um, I've said it before on the show. I'll say it again. I grew up with a lot of Boris Vallejo in the house. I, I yeah, <laughs> I have an appreciation for the style. Um, <laughs> I like Franzetta. Um, Rockefeller draws a very beautiful, very bosomy <laughs> boobs uh, yeah yeah it's it's a particular style and it's good for what it is but it, it was that style in combination with the just tone deaf bimbo portrayal that lobdell was putting out there the two together just just uh yeah and things might have improved over time and we were just not aware of it and i, I know we're not the only no. ones who read those first <laughs> i read one issue and then i think i gave another one a shot like six or seven or eight and that had a whole different set of problems. So I'm just like, this is just not worth my time. Yeah. I read this week's Red Hood and Arsenal without Corey there to kind of fuck it up. It's like, eh, all right, this is probably a decent enough action comic for you know the 15-year-olds. 
not really my cup of tea. Yeah, and not everything has to be for everybody. But I think if you are a fan of the character, either through older Teen Titans books or if you get to know the character as part of the television programming, um, Teen Titans on TV or Teen Titans Go, yep. I think that you have enough of a happy medium here that will serve both sets of fans. Yeah, it's look, <laughs> with everything that's happened to this character since the New 52, this issue really only needed to accomplish one thing. And it was to make Starfire a character who isn't a fuckpot with the memory of a goldfish. Yes. And Connor and Palmiotti were actually smart about it in that there's nothing here that necessarily utterly negates what Lobdell did with the character. Right. Now, because, yeah, it, again, I read Red Hood and Arsenal and they referenced Corey going off on her own. So clearly... This is the same character, and all that stuff that happened in that book is still in continuity. There's nothing here that makes that not happen. It just tacks the character back more toward the original. Yeah. And it, it delivered on that. And I like the idea that the first foe, potentially, that she's going to run into is actually a weather event. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's some of the other smart stuff they did. When I first read it, I, 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 there, there was a one-page sequence where I'm like, is this filler? What is this here for? But it's it's where she goes off to look for the the missing parrot. Oh yeah. It's and I finally realized that was pure Superman shorthand. She's rescuing an animal from a tree. Yeah. It's that's shorthand for Superman. So it's it's a great way to just sort of make a mental connection of no, this is a character more like this than what you've seen before. Right. You know, more selfless and really wants to just help people. Yeah, and it, it just establishes her power set. Yep, she's got the super strength. Here she is flying. <laughs> she cares about all creatures. <laughs> yeah. So it's, they did a lot of smart stuff with this. And again, is Starfire my favorite character? Eh. Will I keep getting it? I'll keep getting it for a while because it's fun right now. Yeah. But it's, I think it did everything that it needed to do. Right. And I think a lot of people are going to be happy that it's much more of the character from back in the Marv Wolfman days than the last couple of years. I agree. And I think it did it, you know, pretty solidly well. So there oh, you go. There you go. All right. How are we doing on time? Oh, we we're a, doing fine. We got a couple more we can oh, talk yeah. about. <laughs> what do you want to do next? Oh, let's talk about Constantine. All right. <laughs> I know you got stuff to say about this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Constantine the Hellblazer. Yes. Ming uh, Doyle and James Tinian the Fourth are the writers. Yep. Art by Riley Rosmo. Mm hmm So, yeah, this is a new version of John Constantine. We're told this by seeing him show up all naked. Yep. And then he buys a new coat. It's a shorter coat. Yeah, it's like, it's like the one he wears on the TV show that DC was clearly hoping would drive people to this comic before it was summarily canceled, canceled last week. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this version of John gets picked up by a demon named Blythe, yep. who at least has the decency to give him a happy ending before trying to trick him into taking out one of her adversaries. But yeah, this is John Constantine. He, uh, he does not uh, really get tricked very effectively. No, I... My feeling on this was the the writers mean well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I, I think they do. <laughs> I I think it's... I was one of the people who 
was so sorely disappointed by the end of the original Hellblazer run. I felt that Milligan had really kind of just driven it into the dirt and made the character. If John Constantine from the early days, <laughs> when he when he was first conceived as a character, a peripheral character in Swamp Thing, <laughs> yeah, had run into this version of himself at the end of his life, he would have kicked him in the nuts and then shot him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? While I was not the biggest fan of Milligan's run either, particularly toward the end of it where he was married to Chastity and... Surrounded by a Scooby gang. Yeah, but part of the point of Hellblazer was the character aged, not in real time, but pretty close to it. So after 20-something years of doing this... At least he progressed. Did he progress in a direction that was as fun and exciting and anti-heroic as 20 years ago? No, he didn't. But part of the conceit of the book was John is aging the same way everybody else is. So yeah. from an artistic standpoint, I respect what he tried to do with it. Did it make for the most exciting comic in the world? Not necessarily. Not by the end. Yeah, I I just I didn't like where the character was going. I, I get that people change and grow as they get older, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> it was really that's supposed to happen? What is it gonna happen to me? Shh. No, 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 don't 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 upset yourself. It's, it's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. <laughs> so getting back to this actual book that we're we've read and that we should be talking about. Yes. What I what I got here was a lot of hope, I think, that the television series was gonna continue. It felt as though they were trying to make the tone of this character match up to how he was being written on the TV show. Um, a lot of glibness, a lot of <laughs> let me tell you about how I'm, I'm how I'm awesome rather than just doing dark things. Yeah. And, and and the thing is, he always had a bit of an ego and he was always a bit mouthy, even in the earlier runs, but not to this degree. <laughs> I can see what you're saying. I don't necessarily completely agree, mostly because I, I think they have a task here and that task is to fundamentally kind of reboot a character that had a book until about two months ago. I, I get that. I get what you're saying, but he's spending so much time talking. I had to go back and remind myself that Tinian wrote this, not Bendis. And <laughs> <laughs> That's cold. <laughs> but again, you know, as per, um, you know, our discussion on, on Starve, maybe because I'm holding this book to a standard it won't ever get to. <laughs> Well, it's... Show, show me more of you being a bastard <laughs> than tell me what kind of a bastard you are. <laughs> I understand. I think it was a decent attempt to introduce that with how they ended the this particular issue. Yes. I still have problems with that. Uh, I'll get to it in a second, but I think... What Doyle and Tinian were trying to do here was very quickly communicate to the reader, we're trying to make more of an old school John Constantine. And part of that is right in the title. You're reintroducing yep. Hellblazer. That's a pretty big shot across the bow. Oh, yeah. Particularly considering, yeah, if the TV show had gone on, now you've got a book with a different title and... The marketing people will be screaming, oh, potential confusion in the marketplace. And then you got to tap their head into the table and <laughs> nobody needs that kind of noise. We're all too fucking busy. But they're, they're coming off a book where for a couple of years, 
John Constantine was in a Justice League. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I I did, I wasn't psyched about that direction either. Constantine's and, not supposed to be a fucking team player. Yeah. Now, while I think Ray Fox did a pretty decent job in that last story arc in the just canceled Constantine, yeah, there's a pretty decent betray when he yeah when a dude betrays himself. Uh, okay. He, yeah. He was moving in the right direction with that. I was enjoying. I was enjoying that run. They, that comic also had some shaky footing as it kicked off. It got better under Fox run. Yeah, definitely. But I think what they're trying to communicate in a very short period of time is beyond the coat, which I'll t- I, I will never think it's anything but a terrible idea yeah. to, to not have John Constantine in a trench coat. But fuck it. This is the same DC that changed Superman's costume a couple of years ago. Right. Tradition ain't what it used to be. Fuck yeah, it. at least he doesn't have some sort of weird neck collar Mandarin thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and hopefully he's wearing underpants, at least someplace. Yeah, and there's like no weird wrist bracelets underneath there. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, very quickly in this book, they reintroduce a lot of elements that were familiar and known from Hellblazer, particularly the old, the early days. Yeah. yeah. That he smokes, he steals, he's directly haunted by the ghosts of his dead friends, and that goes back to like the early Jamie Delano stuff. Yes. Yeah, the bisexuality. Yeah, a certain amount of the constant glibness is more of the TV show. Than... And I think that was what was bothering me. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's potentially a legitimate complaint. Because yeah, one of the classic John Constantine moments was from Books of Magic, where he just walks into the magic bar where Tim Hunter's being held and Zatanna's getting ready to battle everybody off and he just walks in and everybody stops and literally all he says is, you know who I am and you know my reputation. Let him go. Yeah, he doesn't have a long (laughs) soliloquy about like the things that hide in the dark. (laughs) Yeah, but it's also as a, a mission statement for how this version of Constantine fits in. I do agree it's much more tell, don't show but as a mission statement, it it has a certain effect. Because again, this is a guy who just came off a Justice League comic. He was playing around directly with superheroes. I, I, so to imply that, okay, I am still in that world, because he name checks that there are yeah. people flying across the sky. But to say, I am the opposite. I am in the areas where they can't go, in the areas you don't want to think about. As a mission statement of, we're going to be over here. It's the same world. You're not likely to see me talking to Superman. Too wordy, too on the nose. Eh, Very probably, but they're trying to do a lot in a short period of time. In a one shot, I'll forgive it up to a point. Yeah. But yeah, if he continues to be constantly talking about, you don't know me, I live over here. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be a bit much. I See, I I felt like if if you have faith in your vision... And you have a plan, you can let things unfold by showing rather than telling. And to tell that much up front makes me wonder, you know, as much as DC has talked a good game about letting writers write and creators create, if editorial still doesn't have their thumb on them so completely where it's, if this doesn't sell, you're done. So they're trying to get as much in there as possible. Well, that's always going to be there. I know, but it, it the, just it yanks me out of it because I, I, I can't enjoy it with that much exposition in my face. And it's that's a fair argument. It absolutely is. I get what they were trying to do. Do I think it could have been done better? Do I think it could have been decompressed a little more, maybe over an issue or two? Yeah, sure. But it, I just because I get what they were trying to do doesn't mean <laughs> I think they did it perfectly. Yeah. 
you know, if somebody's shooting at me, I get they're trying to kill me. That doesn't mean I'm like, <laughs> good on you, pal. Aim for the face. And, you know, you're right. I don't know why that level of exposition didn't bother me more and starve. Maybe because I just was enjoying something that was in my own element enough that I was willing to forgive it. <laughs> well, I mean, there's your argument for any kind of representation in comics. Yeah. It might mean, yeah, that's not a book for me, but for the people it's for, means everything. Yeah. So that's fine. But again, I don't know. I don't know if any new number one was going to meet the standards that I, I'm going to hold Constantine to ever. I, I may just be unrealistic in what I want from these books. I came to terms a long time ago. There is never going to be a better Constantine than Garth Ennis's run. Yeah. Period. Full stop. There's some good stories out there. I mean, because, yeah, I was thinking about it earlier. It's like, no, give me back my Hellblazer. I'm like, really? All of it? Well, all right, everything up to, uh, let's say, uh, Warren Ellis's run. Oh, we could skip a lot of Paul Jenkins. We didn't need that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, for me, yeah, it's that 40 or 50 issues. But those issues are still there. They're right there. They're right. in the closet right there. And as much as I bitch about Milligan's run, I liked Suicide Bridge. So, <laughs> yeah. So I think they have good intentions with this. I think they're trying to give a lot of information to sort of reassure fans like you and me. Look, we're going to have a lot of this stuff that was there before. We're trying to move it more in that direction. It may not have been done perfectly. It wasn't done perfectly. But what this made me want to do, and I, for good or for ill, is it made me want to go back and pick up the trades that we have and just start reading through them. <laughs> And that, that's fine. Sort we, of immersing myself in the old stuff. We probably have about a third of the entire run in one trade or another in this house. Yeah. If not, we can pick them up. Getting away from that, the, the two things specifically in this book I had more of a problem with than the exposition up front was uh, the betrayal of Blythe was completely in character, but it was kind of telegraphed. Yeah. I mean, the minute she said that if she took part in the exorcism, she's going back to hell for 100 years. Right. You know he's going to trick her into doing the exorcism. <laughs> At that point, it's just a question of how is it going to happen. So yeah. it's like, ugh. I wish I had. But again, they're trying to do a lot in a single issue, so I'm inclined to forgive that a little bit. Um, the one thing I'm not going to forgive is that goddamn two-page layout <laughs> where you got to turn the book on its fucking side to read it. And the reading doesn't follow a particular track you have to go from the first panel you turn the book on the side and the first panel you go left to right and then down and then left and then down and then right and that took me a, a, a minute or two to figure out there were cues there but it took me a second to figure it out and then once you've fucked with my entire perception as to how to decode the book now I got to turn it back right side up. And it's like, oh shit, how do I read this page? Did they fuck with this at all? See, now I'm wondering if they if they felt that that was like for people who are reading that on like Comixology and and digital readers, it's not going to bother them because they don't have to fuck with the book. Right. Whereas those of us that prefer actual books, it, it kind of reminded me though of some of the old layouts from some of the old Sandman things. I didn't like it there either. <laughs> Having to change the orientation of how you read the book is potentially a valid way to do things, and it can make people somewhat confused and on their heels, and there's a certain amount to be said for that. In this particular thing, they're just sort of walking downstairs through levels of this bar that mimic hell. Yeah. 
And there's absolutely no reason that thing had to be laid out where you had to take the book on its side. No, and because I'm looking through it, like it, the the thing for me was I really had to force myself not to skip to the bottom. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, because my the other thing for me was she had made the statement in addition to you know she can't actively take part in casting a soul to hell otherwise she'll go back herself. Yep. Uh, she had made the comment that any human that makes it all the way through to the bottom circle um, forfeits their soul. And so I kept thinking this entire time that, you know, Constantine was in peril because he had made it all the way to the bottom. <laughs> yeah. And, and they that, didn't do anything that with did that. did just kind of disappear. I forgot about that. So, yeah, that's... And, and yeah, to, to make the reader work so hard with this very overwhelming, you know, visual that you have to change the book around for there should be some larger payoff an easter egg somewhere in there or some other thing to make it worth the scrutiny to change the orientation yeah i mean that's the the thing there's no reason this couldn't couldn't have been a regularly orientated double page layout and i also wonder you know since since doyle who's typically an artist i wonder how much of this was she said to tinian no wouldn't it be cool if we did this because in her mind visually she thought it was a good idea i mean in it's, the script it's possible but <laughs> god damn it you try to read that book on the turlet you're gonna drop it in the turlet you're gonna have a goddamn hard time <laughs> but it, other than that layout Rosmo's art in this kind of a it was a weird kind of I thought it fit the story really well it's kind of dark and yet kind of cartoony like yeah I, I kept thinking Sienkiewicz but on the cartoony side or maybe Sam Keith on the more realistic side it's a weird kind of style to kind of describe well it's that in combination with the colorist took the tactic of um, kind of pixelating up his colors. So if you look closely, instead of just shading, it's it's all dots. Okay. Which adds to the sort of stylized quality of of the pages. You know, like like the old school fifties kind of pop art with like the dots. Uh, like the old four oh, four oh, color oh, separations. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I, I picked up that once or twice, but I mean, overall, it's it is stylized art that the style I think fits the story pretty well. Yeah. Um, Just an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's not a bad start. It's not perfect. It, it's enough for me. Okay. Let me see what else you got. You, you've done the one issue. Let's do it all self-contained. This is the guy and here's his mission statement. And now we're moving on to the, the first more extended story. I imagine of yep. where the ghosts are going. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like I said, it's, First thing is like, uh, this is not bad. I still want Hellblazer back, but again, it's no. I want this Hellblazer back that hasn't existed for twenty years. Right. You can do good or bad things with any character. Yep, I loved Hellblazer. It's the same Hellblazer where Brian Azzarello put him in prison for six months because <laughs> he wanted to write himself a prison story. And what the that's fuck? This is what, the books I got. That's what Azzarello does. <laughs> yeah. So it's not a bad start. Surprised it's not perfect. He didn't find some excuse to put Wonder Woman in some sort of extended Women of Cell Block H. <laughs> don't give him fucking ideas jesus christ <laughs> he'll take the book back he'll do it i don't know see i don't know that it was appreciably better than the way constantine just a few months ago had gotten by the end i definitely like the tack of 
again, I'll call that first sequence a mission statement of all that superhero stuff is over there and I'm going to be here. Yeah, keep them away from that shit. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I, it, I'm, I, I wasn't so disappointed by the book that I won't pick it up again. I'm going to... I'm going to keep reading to see where it goes. It's just, yeah, I think it's going to take a lot to please me. And I think I, I even recognize I may not be reasonable in my expectations. It's, yeah, it, I just keep telling myself, all that NS stuff is in the long box right in the closet. Yeah. If I don't like this, I can go back to that anytime I want. Right. But yeah, I think yeah, that was the thing. I, I read this and then I wanted to go read Bad Habits. Dangerous, dangerous habits. I'm sorry, dangerous habits. <laughs> so angry I get the name wrong. <laughs> I like the tacking away from the superhero stuff. If they can keep that going and expand a little bit and move a little a little away from the tell don't show uh and sort of the constant glibness. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's off to a decent start. But yeah, certainly not a perfect beginning. But not a not a terrible one either. Yeah. All right. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're doing fine. I can't read it from here. What's that, an hour and a half? Yep, roughly. Okay. Do Batman and Let's then out? Let's do Batman. All yeah. right. It's Robo Bunny time, kids. <laughs> it's uh, Batman 41, written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo. Uh, Capullo. Bleh. Greg Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> art by Greg Capullo. Yes. Starting to feel that beer. So yeah. Excellent Sean Murphy co- cover. Yes, we got the uh, alternate cover there, uh doing the and Joker DC, month. Yeah, DC's been doing this with various characters as their 75th anniversaries have come up. It's a it's Joker month, so the owner of our local comic store makes sure like with the Batman ones and the selfie ones and it, it, that we've been getting the alternate covers and this one was pretty solid. Yeah. So, even though Joker wasn't in this story at all, no. pretty good cover. But yes, Robo Bunny. <laughs> Just let's get that out of the way up front. Robo yep. Bunny. They flat out have Commissioner Gordon calling it Robo Bat Bunny at one yep. point. But, you have to reference it. Well, yeah. You have to. Exactly. But uh, he is battling some electromagnetic thing mm-hmm. that is attacking Gotham Bank and Credit Union. But yes, this is the new Batman. And uh, <laughs> based on the flashbacks, he's a lot like Dewey Cox. He needs to <laughs> reflect upon his entire goddamn life before he battles some electromagnetic <laughs> thing. Yeah, we see Jim Gordon, he's reliving his decision to become Batman and see this battle going on and see how a street-level cop detective-type detective, how his skills can work in battling this thing. And uh, then maybe we meet an old friend. You know, I I enjoyed this. Um, For all the hype about the Bat Bunny suit. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It... it once it's in action, it's not quite as. Is that the tick? Is he bounding? Is he? <laughs> My the city. You know, as as he's jumping, I I did have a moment where he's jumping on. There's this beautiful like one sheet page uh, where Batman is jumping on the electromagnetic creature from above and death from above and I, I, spoon. <laughs> For those of you who know the tick, uh... <laughs> oh yes. But you know, beyond that, I liked that this was fairly Gordon-centric and got into his decision to to pick up the mantle after not really wanting to do it. He needed he, he came to it reluctantly. Yes. Um, and and for the greater good because 
why would you do this to a, a much younger person, even though physically their constitution may be able to handle it better? <laughs> right. Well, one of the problems that I, I had with this book is, look, we, we all know that Robo Bunny Batman, it's not going to last forever. No. no. Frankly, an ending is teased by the end of this very issue. Oh, absolutely. Now, my greatest fear, and it really kind of occurred to me with some of the original pictures, but also with some of the elements in this particular book, my fear is this is going to turn into a very RoboCop story. Well, I think that that this is one of the things they're going to wrestle with. I mean, Gordon puts it on the table, or Snyder does through Gordon, puts on the table, would Batman work better if he's working within the system than working outside the system? Right. And I think, I think that's a fair question to explore, frankly. It definitely is, but I'm thinking of the more overtly, you know, look, this Batsuit was not created by the Gotham City PD. No. It was created by Powers International, which is a company that I think has only previously appeared in Batman Beyond. Yes. That was the one where the CEO went radioactive and yep. killed Terry's father or something. Yep. So we know that at least eventually this thing goes full OCP evil corporation. It might be 100 years from now, but it, it's going to happen. So we've got a corporate robotic policeman that's licensed to the regular police, a support team employed by the company that may or may not be evil. Now, I can already foresee, though the company makes demands of Gordon, push him toward furthering their interests. Maybe Gordon quits, gets replaced by one of these young recruits that we saw early on. Yep. Then Batman comes back to kick his ass. But it just, it feels like not only does he look a little like RoboCop with bunny ears, <laughs> we might be getting a RoboCop type story. And it's part of the problem with a limited span story like this, by which I mean, we're replacing the character and everything you thought was is different now. Where, so, you, where you know it's going to end and probably in the not too, too distant future, you spend half your time trying to figure out where the twist is. Where is this particular thing going to go? How is this going to end? Mm -hmm. And the story can very easily become a puzzle to be solved as opposed to a story. And I'm hoping that doesn't happen here, but I can already feel the wheels turn into my head of, oh, I think this is what's going to happen. And that's not necessarily how I want to read stories. It's not a failure on anybody's part. But certain types of stories engender that kind of behavior. Yeah. I've brought up the example before. When the first time I saw The Sixth Sense, I'm like, I know there's a twist here. So I wouldn't pay attention to the story. I'm trying to figure out what the twist is. And then once I found out, once I thought I figured out the twist, I checked out. Then it's just let me get to the end and see if I'm right. Maybe it's a personal failing, but I'm hoping that doesn't happen here. But I'm beginning to see elements of, oh, this is already how I'm starting to read this thing. And I think that's fair, especially if there are elements that are in here that seem to be obvious influencers from the outside. I think you're right. There's no way you can't read this, and if you're familiar with RoboCop, not draw those parallels. The question is, do they become as glaring as, say, Transmet was for you in Starve, where it pulls you out of it and yeah. causes you to think ahead and and just overanalyze as you're reading as opposed to allow it to become an immersive experience. And that really wasn't the case here because we've not been given any indication that, uh, what was her name? Gail Chase? Um, uh, Powers, rather. The, the, the head of Powers International. <laughs> we go back and the, find the page. Who we met here. We don't have any indication 
that this is a big evil corporation doing anything for Jerry. Jerry. Jerry Powers. Jerry Powers. It was clear at the beginning of RoboCop, OCP is shit, and they do shit for OCP. You don't really get that sense here. It's just sort of elements from having seen RoboCop a million times. It's, all right, there's potential parallels here. That doesn't mean that's how it's going to play out. Yeah, and she's trying to speak to him Marine to Marine. <laughs> yeah. In, in in trying to convince him. So, I mean, there are potential parallels here, whereas in Starve, it all but bashed me over the head. This is transmetropolitan. It just keeps happening and happening and fucking happening. I see that. So that wasn't the case with this book at all. But there was enough there where it's like, uh, all right, maybe. Perhaps. But there's also, you know, some of these these players on her team were vetted by Lucius Fox, which is supposed to, as readers, make us feel better because he wouldn't steer us wrong. Yeah, I, I could be wrong. I could very easily be wrong. But I, I don't think you necessarily are. I, I think I think that they are going to um, explore whether or not it's better for Batman to be legit and work with the police. And if you have this outside entity also consulting on matters of law enforcement, think about this. Whenever you have outside consultants going in to help police, you can't not think of Blackwater. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, you got a point. So, and you know, she's, she's ex-military. See, what I'm hoping more is exactly what you're saying, as opposed to going anywhere in the RoboCop direction. Go straight into the, okay, it's a vigilante, but working directly with the police. Now, my God, the fucking lawsuit exposure on the part of the Gotham City PD and of Powers International. Yeah. So, yeah, let's see this because, okay, yeah, we did this for altruistic reasons, but we can no longer afford the insurance. Batman's fired. We're closing down the Batman program. Right. And and they also, and, and this is... Yeah, and particularly since Gotham Central made such a big deal out of, yep, we got the bat signal. We need somebody who's a civilian to turn it on because we can't deal with the liability of being the one to call in the man who beats the mentally ill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and they make a point here, and I'm, I'm sure this is going to come up later as it plays out for Jim Gordon now that he's picked up the mantle. You've got this small-time thug, Precious Precious, who's doing this virtual reality shit to control the um, electromagnetic monster. Yep. Um, his face is all scarred up because whatever gang he got jumped in on, they had to wear a mask for a year. And he decided to wear it for three years to show how loyal he was. So now his face is all fucked up from whatever that mask was. He can't just spray paint his teeth and go witness me? I guess not. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the day's going to come where I drink whiskey <laughs> and wake up and I've spray painted my, my teeth. My Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you wear the Bat Bunny suit for a period of time, what scars are you going to take away from the experience? Ooh. I didn't make that connection. I'm wicked fucking smart. <laughs> Scott Snyder earns his money. <laughs> yeah. Um, there has to be a pal parallel there with that. With all this conversation, we're getting right down to the weakness of doing a story like this. We've spent at least five minutes talking about where this story could go and very little about the issue itself. Yes. So, so let's talk about the issue itself. I thought there was a lot of good stuff in the... I dug Gordon using his police detective skills. Yes. As opposed to Batman's world's greatest detective. 
Batman's always does this heavy forensic shit, but simple stuff like, okay, what's the motive? What's the actual crime going on here? Who do I know in the neighborhood who might actually be the target? You know, that last comment that Gordon slash Batman makes to the baseball player. Sometimes you just got to walk the beat. Yeah. Dead on point yeah. to what I think they're trying to do with the idea of this type of detective as the Batman. You know, and, and the idea of a Batman who is of Gotham as opposed to always just slightly above it. I can get behind that idea. That's interesting to me. I mean, can you picture Bruce Wayne knowing where the old starting catcher of the Gotham Knights lived? No, because no. I don't see where Bruce Wayne had time to learn about baseball. Yeah, it's <laughs> if he does, he looked it up as part of a potential, you know, who is potentially a target in my city. You know, but Jim Gordon lives in Gotham. He yeah. probably watches the Gotham Knights. Granted, he moved there from New York at some point in the last X number of years, but this is his home. He's a dude. If if Bruce Wayne knew any, Bruce Wayne wouldn't have in a, in a in a Batman story. This would have played out with whoever Robin was would have been like, oh, you know who lives here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it would have it would have had to happen in 1956 with yeah. Dick Grayson <laughs> with that big smiling Dick Sprang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the idea of this kind of detective bringing this kind of expertise in and this kind of street level knowledge that that was pretty cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. I, I like how this is going to be an examination. I think ultimately of Jim Gordon reconciling what it means to be Batman versus what it means to be a police officer. Yeah. Because I, and again, we're right back to, Ooh, how's this going to end up? I, I think we all know Gordon's going to end up police commissioner again. But yeah. now with a whole different understanding of what it means to be this person, this symbol. Right. I I like that they took the challenge of setting Batman up or Jim Gordon as Batman up with what seems to be a fairly over the top villain out of the gate. And you're on an energy monster. <laughs> yeah. That, that's some that's that's some big chips. Yes, it is. <laughs> even with a crew helping you get through it. Yep. Um, because again, the, as much tech as they have, and, and that's actually what led me to some questions here. It's like, all right, so you, you're this big corporation that have the money and the tech to put together the, the bat suit, um, but you don't have other things on board, like an EMP that might be able to dampen this shit. Oh, no, like, he, he tries to fire one he tries off. tries one, okay. But the problem is the actual source is it's too far away that's right and that's why he starts to engage in his actual detective skills but it's what the little touch that i liked was yeah he's been doing this in training but it's still brand new he doesn't know how all this shit works he's like how do the eyes work tell me how the eyes work <laughs> <laughs> but i think also I, I think it's important that the emp didn't work because what we've been seeing in a lot of batman stories is you're right heavy heavy forensic stuff heavy reliance on tech. So he's down in the bat cave and the bat computer is like one chip away from being fucking hell. It, yeah. <laughs> um, he, he does the majority of it, of the work through technological means and less so at least as far as we see often through just flat out detective work, like feet on the ground, using your head in the moment, like Gordon does here. Yeah. And I, it makes me wonder, you know, if Bruce Wayne, all right, spoilers, everybody. We, we've gone this far talking about these books without saying, hey, we're going to spoil the shit out of these books. Yeah. Um, we're going to spoil the shit out of these books. The last <laughs> panel 
or the last page, we somebody recognizes the figure on the bench that is introduced on the first page as possibly being Bruce Wayne. Yes. So whereas Batman is in theory dead and long live Batman, <laughs> mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne may be very much alive. <laughs> yeah. So as if that is the case, I'm sure it is the case. What is he taking away from watching Jim Gordon do this that may have him approach being Batman differently down the line? Because Snyder had made comments that once the Joker story was played out, they were going to go back to smaller stories. Yes. This is not a smaller story right now. No, it's not. (laughs) I can't imagine this taking less than six months. Yeah. But even then, six months compared to zero year. Okay. A smaller story as opposed to a fucking event. Great. But... (laughs) You know, and I and I liked what they did with Bullock in this. Bullock is a character I think who has has grown over time, and I, I like the direction he's gone. Oh, definitely. He's he's still you know a big grump, but he's got a little bit more likability to him than in previous incarnations. Then you're definitely if you haven't yet, and it's I only wanted to talk about one or the other this week. But Detective Comics came out, yep. and it is very Bullock focused. And Renee Montoya comes back. Yeah, I need to read that, actually. It's it's about Bullock deciding whether or not he wants to be part of the Batman support team. Right. And it's it's pretty solid. This one, I figured, all right, we should talk about this one since this is kind of the core book. Right. Where the big stuff is happening, but you'll definitely want to check that out. I will check that out. I'm still, I feel, I feel proud of myself that I've gotten through most of my polls this week. (laughs) Yeah. It was a big week. It was a busy week, so it's hard to, to get to everything, but. But but the other thing is, you know, everybody makes such a big deal about the Bat Bunny suit that, you know, th- there's a moment where he steps out of the suit and he's just wearing a plain Batman suit. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. I can I can live with a Batman suit with no cape because of Batman Beyond. Yeah, it, it feels very Batman Beyond. But one with no utility belt whatsoever and just a fucking holster, uh, that doesn't really feel like Batman to me. Um. It's hard to know that there's no holster and uh, no, no utility because there's little little things on there that could be. Li- I suppose, but <laughs> it's it, it wasn't terrible. I mean, he doesn't have pouches all over him. Thank God. And <laughs> well, all right, there there is that, but uh, you know, that's, I see feet. That's one of the things of going to C two E two. We we knew there was going to be some kind of Batman suit under the armor, right? And since you listen to this show, you knew that too. Don't you feel glad that you listen to this horrible drunken rant every week? <laughs> You're special. We like you. You're not like the others. Jesus. <laughs> you, you, you know what kind of party you're coming to. For $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. <laughs> you know, we talked about Starve for a good four minutes. And we didn't play that clip even once. I was expecting... <laughs> I try to take my job as <laughs> comics commentator seriously. If there was one clip, <laughs> the look on your face, you know, I, I I watch entirely too much food programming. I will own that. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's how I found that. Yeah, clip. Exactly, but like, so I've got I've got you know bizarre food with Andrew Zimmern on in the background. Not even in the back. I was I was watching it. I'll admit it. <laughs> you admit it. You feel your shame and you admit it. And he made that statement and your face lit up. <laughs> like, wait, 
how do I get that as a sound clip? I'm like, I don't know. If only we had a device. Yes, pause that. Then <laughs> you came back with the machine that we used to record us yelling at the television during Daredevil. <laughs> oh, yeah. And specialty patch cables to wire it right into the receiver. <laughs> and then you came to the kitchen. Like, no, look, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> My life is uh, pretty empty. That's <laughs> what we're trying to say here. So um, my verdict on on the this Batman forty one. Uh, all right, okay, Snyder, you got me so far. Let's see where you go with it. Yeah, it's. A, I'm hoping it doesn't turn into a puzzle that I feel I have to solve because it set it, it gives me a de- degree of separation from from any story. Yeah, it, it may not be able to stop itself from being that. Mm-hmm. It could go in a few different directions that disconnect me from that because right now I'm sort of in the. Uh, it could be RoboCop, and if it moves in a completely different direction, okay, great, I'm right back into it. There was a lot here to like, and yes. particularly my first reaction when it's, oh god, that when when we first saw the goddamn costumes and it was an, an armored suit and a gun, oh Jesus, it's the and apo- he's still got um friggin' like shoulder mounted guns of some sort. I, all right, the. The the whole the the gun that goes in the holster apparently it fires batarangs. What comes out of the things on his shoulders? What is he? War machine? The hell is that? <laughs> uh, he fires dildos. Oh, okay, all yeah. right. And then when he when he knocks out a criminal with one, his catchphrase is <laughs> "They got my dick message." Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a pretty decent start to what is going to be a story that's not going to last forever. Now, by the end of 2015, I'd be surprised if it's not Bruce Wayne back and there hasn't been some kind of terrible reckoning with somebody at Powers International. Oh, but When does Batman versus Superman drop? That's March. That's March. So Bruce Wayne will be back in the Batsuit before March. Probably a safe assumption. Yeah. But, you know, to, to do this kind of thing, take some, take some balls to even try it. It's I'll give DC credit with their... Two of their big three, they're making really pretty big changes. Temporary to be sure, but yeah, Action Comics from last week was pretty solid. Uh, Superman Batman, or Batman Superman, I always forget Mm. what it... But uh, that was a pretty good one with the depowered Superman meeting up with the Jim Gordon Batman. Yeah. And Superman not knowing how to deal with him, and Gordon clearly doesn't know a hell of a lot about. So it's... At least with the big titles, DC's come out of convergence with some pretty solid stuff. Yeah. I I, I feel good about where what I've read so far is going. Um, be interesting to see if Marvel similarly does well with some of the, the Battle World titles as they go forward. Hopefully. <laughs> um, I, I have to admit, I, I read... Um, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers downstairs. Oh, that was solid. That was that almost one. That actually made me teary. That was almost one <laughs> I wanted to talk about this week. That, you know, good on you, Al Ewing. You, you, you teased that in in Chicago and said, you know, you're going to be part, you, the reader, will be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, that was a good damn book. Yeah, he, he carried it off. That's <laughs> that's one, clearly, we're running out of time. We don't have the book up here to talk about it in any detail, but that is definitely one to pick up. Yeah. I had all the feels. and i don't normally get all the feels for avengers books but (laughs) yeah it's the mighty avengers before that and i believe there's another version of it coming out of secret wars with ewing writing 
that is one of the more undersung books in Marvel's arsenal and has been for a year. Yeah. Al Ewing needs to write more things. Al <laughs> Ewing, yeah, he's he needs more credit at Marvel. Yeah. So. All right. Is that it? I believe that's it. How are we doing on time? It's uh, almost two hours. Oh, God. <laughs> we can't just, we can't seem to get in under that. <laughs> Because we have such valuable information that we need to share. Oh, of course. I don't know what I don't know what our listeners would do without hearing the ten dollar all you can eat testicle fest. <laughs> you know, one of these days, listeners, and I apologize because this is going to happen. Rob's just going to short circuit, and you're going to have two hours of Sugar Man followed by ten dollar <laughs> all you can eat testicle fest, just on a loop. <laughs> and and we apologize. If I forget to bring beers up here, it's going to happen in a, <laughs> in a real hurry. And I'm out of beer, so we got to wrap this one up. Okay. So uh, let me see if I can remember how to close out the show. I'll already tell you. Uh, I'm blanking <laughs> on our Twitter handle. but Oh, are you? Uh, well, give me a second. We'll see if we can get to it. So, yes, I don't know how you normally find this show. Hopefully you're still able to find it with all the shit we had to do the website last yes. week. But you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. You can... Uh, email us. Our email address is crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Yes. We are on Twitter. We're on Twitter. Is our handle Infinite Midlife? At Infinite Midlife. At Infinite Midlife. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we are on Facebook. Uh, you can find a link to our Facebook page on our homepage, and you can certainly send us messages through there. Are we on Tumblr, Rob? We are, in fact, on Tumblr, and that one I can always remember because it's crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, you can subscribe to us through iTunes. If you do happen to find us there or subscribe there, do us a favor. Uh, shoot us a review. Give us a rating. Helps people find the show. Certainly, we like hearing from listeners. So that's do. always a positive bonus. You can find us on TuneIn Radio. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. That's right. And did I miss anything? I think you got everything. A couple weeks out of practice, so I could have dropped something, but I think that is it. That is it. So this has been episode 74 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening, and derp. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. For a $10 all-you-can-eat testicle fest. You make the baby Jesus cry. No, this makes the baby Jesus cry. Sugar man. I gotta go. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.